I think everyone has like a personal Mount Everest to climb and like mine is control for sure. Like I, I wanna control all the things. And that's like the lesson that I need to keep relearning over and over. That was Nicole Antoinette, and this is the Running on Ohm podcast. I'm your host, Julia Hanlon, and I just want to take a moment to thank you. Thank you who is listening in right now. Maybe it's your first time tuning into Running on Ohm, or maybe you've listened to all 175 episodes, but really, thank you. Thank you for trusting me every week with your time, trusting me that I will bring you conversations with pioneers of the mind-body-spirit connection, and that these conversations can have the potential to change your life. Some of the names of the people I bring on you may know already and revere, and others are undiscovered gems. The feedback I've gotten in the past month has really touched me so deeply and brought me to the point of tears of gratitude a few times. I've gotten a lot of words of support on the Real Talk Reflections episode I recorded with Nicole last month, episode number 168 to be exact, and Nicole and I are coming together every month with the intention of having honest, real talk on what it means to reflect, review, and commit to goals and to commit to life. To understand the full arc of the conversation today, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to Real Talk Reflections, episode number 168. Last month, I opened up with you guys on some of the challenges I faced with my own mental health, as well as my goals for the new year. Thank you so much for reaching out and supporting my journey as I start to share my story on Running on Ohm. It's pretty scary for me to be on the other side of the mic and step out of the interviewer mode, but getting to share sacred space with my friend and inspiration, Nicole, is a real gift, and I hope that these conversations can plant seeds in you. In today's dialogue, we look back on what we did, what we didn't do, what challenged us in January, and then look ahead to February this month. This conversation is not a self-help step-by-step on how to set goals, but instead we dive deep into what it means to let go of control, cultivate courage, and transform self-talk, and how we are putting these into practice in our very own lives. At the end of the episode, we ask you, yes, you, two questions, or should I say challenges for February? We'd love to hear how they go, so reach out to us through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and let us know how you are ready to be brave in your life. Let's dig in together to today's Real Talk Reflections with myself and Nicole Antoinette. If you haven't eaten a lot of good things, I'm sure you've done a lot of good reading, so what has been the best thing that you're reading or have read in the past month? Oh, geez. Um... Well, I've done a lot of watching of that show, Happy Endings, which, have you ever seen that? No. It's this, like, delightful sitcom show that was on, it was, like, only for three seasons, like, 2011, I think, like, around then. And I'd heard about it, like, lightly from people, and I don't know if this week I needed some, like, being injured. I was like, I need something that's going to make me feel good, and it's not going to be, like, Grey's Anatomy levels of emotional or, like, Breaking Bad levels of, like depressing and being sad about the world. So I was like, okay, I need something that's like, feels good. And um, my friend Amina, who she and I have very similar taste in uh, TV and guilty pleasure type situations was talking about it on Twitter. And I asked her like, am I, do I need to be a part of this? And she said, yes. And so I've been doing some binge watching of happy endings in the last week and it is delightful. Um, what have I been reading? So I think it was, was it about a month ago? Have we talked about the Pacific Crest Trail obsession? Oh my God. <laughs> We've talked about it off air, but not on air. Okay. So like backing up, my personality type is that like 
I'm either completely obsessed with something or like I give no shits. Like there's not really like an in-between for me with things. And like when I'm obsessed, I'm like so far down the rabbit hole. I want to read all the things. I want to listen to all the things. I want to talk to all the people about it. And like, I just want it. And I read this book called Through Hiking Will Break Your Heart by Carrot Quinn, which I could not recommend highly enough. She's a phenomenal writer. I have then since gone through and read legitimately almost her entire blog of like other, she hiked the PCT again and blogged about it. And like then the CDT, just I like binged, like it's been so hard down the Carrot Quinn um, rabbit hole. And so I read that book and it was just like so beautiful. And I've read other things about hiking and I have a good friend who was on my podcast who hiked the Appalachian Trail a couple years ago. And so like it was on my radar, but it was never something that I was that interested in. For whatever reason, the timing has since changed. And so that just like set off a spark. So I've read too many books at this point of people who have basically like documented different through hikes of different trails, like probably four or five books. Carrot Quince was the best for sure. Um, but yeah, that's the reading that I'm doing right now tends to be about a lot of long distance hiking, backpacking situations, which sidebar, I have no experience in, like I have never gone camping, have never gone on any kind of backpacking trip. This is like when I first got into running and I had never done it. I didn't know anything about it. And it was just this whole new world. And so I'm excited for nicer weather to be able to actually like go backpacking and like try this. And yeah. Why do you think you're attracted to it? Why am I attracted to it? Um, well, I grew up in Manhattan, so this couldn't be farther from that, which I think like the the unknown of it is attractive to me. Um, the nature aspect, I mean, like I love being outside and that's like not a new thing. Um, so getting to do that in like a more prolonged sense, like, you know, going for like weeks or even potentially months to do something. Um, but I think the heart of it was the heart of like what initially drew me to running was the like self challenge of it. Like, because it's all so unfamiliar, like what would that be like to you're like stuck in the rain and you're like, you have to be in this tent and heat up this food and like poop in the woods and like all this stuff that I like could not even begin to wrap my brain around. Um, feels like it could potentially be like a transformative and like confidence boosting experience. I have no idea. That's just like my guess that I, I like the idea of doing things that are hard that you don't know for sure if you can do. Like there's something that's very attractive to me about that kind of stuff. So we'll see. I mean, here we are at the end of January, right? So like the weather is not so much that I'm going to be going out backpacking like tomorrow, <laughs> but I, um, you're, you're putting down the groundwork for it. I'm at least, re- I'm at least letting myself be obsessed with it. And then we'll see. Sometimes obsessions are, fleeting and then sometimes they kind of take root um so we'll see what happens so potentially hiking in my future friends of mine that are interested in that are sending me emails well is this real like are you really going to do this can we you know (laughs) we'll see so you already just answered one of your favorite nicole questions which is what are you totally obsessed with right now oh my god i'm so obsessed with it it's so like all I'm doing is like reading blogs of people who have done through hikes and like what's their gear and like what's their tent and then like watching videos of like how to set these tents up and like I just the list of questions and fears that I have around like well, what yeah. happens when you see a rattlesnake? What happens about the bear? Like what do you the like? The bear. The rattlesnakes actually scare me more than the bear, which is weird. I don't know why. But I, I was I was alluding to the fact that, like, bear is your spirit animal. I know, right? Well, I mean, I think bear is my spirit animal in a symbolic sense, not in a, like, get real close to me in the woods sense. Like, I'm, I am all set on being with the real, actual, powerful bear in the woods. Um, 
it just sounds like it all just sounds like so terrifying. The other thing too, like not only do I have no backpacking skills, I have no map reading or like orientation skill. Like I could get lost like in my own house. Like this is like, I'm never allowed to be in charge of instructions. Like if anyone hacked into Google maps, like it could be turn right, go into the warehouse, like take off your shirt, wait for the like stranger. Like, I'd be, okay. Like, I guess this, like, I just follow directions so blindly. I have no sense of direction. So like reading some of these through hikes where I like, they lose the trail because of snow, but they like figure out how, I'm like, how do you figure that out? Like I would be dead on the side of the trail anyway, <laughs> maybe not, but I'm interested in like the process of testing myself to do something hard. So yeah. we'll see. Sense of direction. I'm curious of whether it's something that's like innate or you also have to train it. Because when I was living in Ethiopia, um, I got lost one time on a run in a valley and I was out there for three hours. And it was one of the scariest experiences of my life because <laughs> I couldn't, um, I was like deep in this valley. I was trudging through mud, mud at this point, unable to run. And Whenever I'd encounter any farmers, they looked at me like I was an alien because a lot of people in this region of Ethiopia hadn't had um, contact with white people, let alone a white woman. And they had no clue, you know, where like where to direct me because we didn't share the same language. So I eventually ended up finding like these power lines in the distance and knew that like I knew that the power line road connected back to another road that would connect me to another trail where I'd eventually get back to my house. But that was quite a journey. And then I was also, yeah, I was attacked by a dog. But yeah, my sense of direction is also not great. Right, so, so you and you and I in the woods together, like I think So I think, we need a third, a third party here. I mean, we need my husband. He's like, I think so to answer your question, I think it's I think it's maybe partially both. Like maybe it is like a sort of a skill thing, but I think it has a lot to do with from the couple people that I've talked to that have really good sense directions with like childhood activities or like upbringing, right? Like if like he did like a ton of like backwood stuff, like camping and like Boy Scouty type things. He's like from the woods in like the middle of nowhere in Minnesota. And like, I'm from Manhattan. So like when you grow up there, first of all, the whole city is like basically on a grid system. It's like not hard to be like, go that way, go that way. But like, I've never been put in any kind of situation where I had to develop those skills, especially because like then being an adult and being on my own, like I have GPS and maps and stuff on my phone. So I think like, that, but the, the cool thing is like, you can acknowledge that you don't have a great sense of direction and then you probably would like set yourself up for success on a trail run. Whereas I'm kind of the opposite. I'm like, I can figure it out. <laughs> and then I end up lost in a valley for three hours. Well, I remember a couple weeks ago when you showed me you had gone out on that run and you had on your hand, like, you know, turn left, do this, do that. And I was like, definitely I'd still be out there. Like you'd have to come find me like out in the middle of nowhere. Like, <laughs> so to be fair though, I probably don't attempt things because that like I sat down the other day and I made a list of like skills I would want to at least like attempt to learn before doing any kind of like three plus week hike right or something like that and it was just like a very long list of all these things like okay well I have to like learn how to maps I have to which like sounds really silly you just like look at the map but I don't know I need that I need to learn about all kinds of things and like different skills and like especially if I were to ever attempt through hiking the PCT like snow type stuff Right, like how to self-arrest with an ice axe. Like, first of all, that sounds horrifying and I don't ever want to be in that situation, but how to like hike with the cramp. But like, I, I literally don't know anything. So I just made this list of like, okay, you need to know how to all of these things, like how to like basic first aid stuff, right? Like what's the best way to treat the crazy blisters you're definitely going to get. 
how to deal with the altitude, just all these things. So that's why it sounds, I don't know, I'm like really stoked on it. I'm going to apply for a permit um, for the John Muir Trail for this summer. From what I have read, they're pretty hard to get because um, like there's like a limited number. Um, but it's like this whole crazy process where you still have to apply by fax. Like it's this like old school, you're in, like, you have to pick your start date and the day that you want to start, you have to know when you're starting, which like trailhead you're starting from. And then you're allowed to apply I think it's 168 days before that start date, like exactly at midnight. It's like this really crazy, like 1201, you can send in your fax to like apply for this permit. So I think I'm just going to apply for it. And if this is something I'm supposed to do, like maybe I'll get this permit and then I'm going to apply for two permits. And then basically if I get it, try to convince someone to come on the three-week hike. I'm I'm right there with you. I mean, okay, then you and I need to learn sense of direction. Wouldn't that be so fun? That would be so cool. No, it's funny because I was talking with a friend maybe two weeks ago about the John Muir Trail in particular and saying that I wanted to hike it. Oh my God. Okay. Well, then so you and I aside. haven't even talked about this off air. So this is perfect. Um, Yeah, I'm going to, we can talk about dates, but I was thinking of applying for an August 8th start date but because I'm not super time sensitive basically like so you would apply for that on February 21st but you find out within like two days if you get it so if not just like keep applying for like the subsequent start date so I figure if I just keep applying I'm like yeah, I don't know and this then I get to so my gear cool. and then we can go on a three-week hike and and then we can share our experience with all of you guys who know, are right? well the other thing to me <laughs> is from reading a lot of these like trail reports and stuff. I know that people do this who are vegan, but like it tends to be like they stop in these small towns, they eat like 10,000 burgers and stuff. So there's definitely an added element of interest to me from like the food perspective of like, this is an excuse to like buy a dehydrator and like make my own dehydrated foods. Like that sounds so awesome. And all the like logistical planning of doing a long hike, especially something that was longer than three weeks, right? If we're talking like months, having to like mail your supplies and do like, I love logistical detail. Like that would be like a dream. A good part of my interest for this would be like, let's plan all the things. So we haven't really ever talked about your veganism, have we? Did we talk Mm. about it on our conversation together? I don't remember. It's hard to remember what we talk about while recording and what we talk about while not recording. But wait, before yeah. we get there, do you have backpacking experience? Um, yes and no. Like I'm when I was in seventh grade, I claimed probably until until I worked at a running camp in college. Before then I claimed that the best two weeks the best two consecutive weeks of my life were when I was in seventh grade, or the summer after seventh grade, I went on a hiking trip in the Rocky Mountains with like a teen uh, outdoors adventure camp. And I was not an athletic kid growing up. Like, I think that was in large part because I had celiac disease and was undiagnosed. And so I really just didn't have the energy reserves in stores to fuel me for athletic performance. And in addition, competition really scared me as a little kid. Like that's not something that I stood in my power place with. And team sports also freaked me out, which is really funny now that so much of my life now is lit up by running and that community. Uh, so those two weeks I went to the Rockies and they were just absolutely transformative. I think that was when I realized I never wanted to live in a city and that I wanted to be near the mountains. And now I'm living not in the city and near the mountains. And it was just magical. We went into the back country for like a 12 day stretch and I didn't have a mirror when I was there. And I remember coming out of the back country after 12 days and going to a rest stop and looking at myself in the mirror I almost, I was just like, whoa, hey, hey, old friend. Like, it was so bizarre when you get 
when you step outside of this like connection to the image of you or what you look like, like even now I've been really intentional about not having a mirror in my bedroom um, because I really don't like looking at myself. And maybe that comes from like a history of having like, you know, a lot of body issues and self-conscious, but I also think there's a power to being able to just really feel yourself from the inside out and hiking and being in the wilderness and having that kind of connection to mother nature and to my higher power through nature was amazing. And then since then, I've done a couple like little backpacking trips. My college has an orientation trip where you can pick a different types of outdoors trip. And I picked a hiking trip and I was by far the weakest link in the crew. (laughs) And I actually met two of my best friends in college on on this orientation trip, but I was totally struggling. It was really humbling. Um, this well, was, I mean, your experience is like 12,000 times more so, than mine. Okay. So I have had don't a little worry. bits of experience, but I have not at all done anything like really much more self-directed. Um, but I'm similar to you. I'm really interested in it. And it seems like this is this is now something we're going to have to do together. Yeah. The thing, the last thing I'll say about it for me is like in terms of what makes it the most interesting, besides the fact that it aligns a lot of my interests, right? Like logistical things, fun with food, fun with nature, all of that kind of stuff and like hard, strenuous things is – I think that I am bored with being so comfortable. Like, obviously, I'm really grateful for the life that I have and the privilege that I have. But I think that there's, I mean, you can definitely get too comfortable. And, like, the just, like, dramatic discomfort of doing something like that, like, on all fronts. Like, I think that's the only way that I have seen that, like, growth and change really happen for me. Like, I think... I am looking for something that's going to like break my heart a little bit or like break me open a little bit. And I don't like in terms of like one of my like overarching life things is that I want to be more open and like not close off to like things that are sad, things that are scary, things that I don't want to feel like I think that's such like a normal human thing is like close off, go into your little turtle shell, right? Like try not to do that. And it's like such a hard practice to like keep opening up and keep opening up. And I think those types of experiences that like you have no other option than to like be in community with your situation, like be present, like hike that thing, be cold be wet, like ask for help from like the people in the town. Like there's something about that as like a, almost like a pilgrimage sort of that like feels very in line with what I want. Yeah. I love, I love everything you just spoke to because I think we can, in our daily lives, it is a practice to challenge ourselves to get out of our comfort zone in our daily lives. But to actually take yourself into like a physical location and a physical activity or time or adventure where you know you're going to be broken down. I mean, I when I went to Ethiopia, I keep on just thinking about my time in Ethiopia with everything you're speaking to. And I didn't realize how hard it was going to be. But I mean, it totally broke me down. Yeah. And so many levels. Yeah. All right. Well, clearly this is a conversation for us to have. We can like <laughs> mini podcast in the woods, right? Love it. That would be great. Um, what do I want to talk about? I want to talk about, tell me, going into, recap kind of going into this month, your clearest intention and goal. And the you said you were going to do this, and then how did it go? Yeah. So we spoke last time about our January commitment, and mine was trying to get podcast sponsorship for Running on Home. And I'm really excited to say that I have gotten a sponsor um, and I'm in conversation with a couple other sponsors. It's been a 
big learning experience. Um, having to talk to marketing people and <laughs> try to explain the value of this medium. I think what I'm really surprised about this week was my mom listened to a recent podcast I did where I spoke about a sponsor who I really believe in. I think that's something we've talked about together is I would never share a sponsor on this podcast that I didn't actually stand behind because that to me would be wasting listeners time if I didn't actually believe in the product or company or service. And Jaybird Sport is a company that makes these incredible wireless headphones which I want to try, by the way, just from like hearing you talk about it and hearing um, Lauren talk about it. I'm like, all right, all right. So sponsorship works because now yeah, I'm interested, right? Good. So, no, good but they're you. actually like, I mean, I wear them now every single day um, and they totally have revolutionized my experience of running with music or podcasts because there's literally no hassle. They're wireless, they're Bluetooth. I could go on about them, eight hour battery life. They're awesome. But like my mom was listening to the Jaybird intro and then she called me afterwards and she was like I really don't like this whole sponsorship thing you're doing it's you know it's way too like your introduction's way too long people are not going to listen to it and went off on me and it's it's like I totally hear what she's saying but in order to make the podcast medium sustainable for people like me and you who are investing like upwards of 40 hours a week on running at home like I need sponsorship because I want to continue offering this for free to everyone to listen to and so it was just this moment where I was like I can't please everyone yeah I mean but that I mean one good on you for realizing that but also like that's kind of the interesting thing about digital media and like the things that don't have sponsors or don't have partners or that kind of things, like a lot of times that's content that you pay for, right? That it's like, if we step back and think, okay, like someone's creating this stuff that I love. So I'm totally happy to either pay for it, or if it's going to be free for me, then that's awesome that they're like working with a great company that they believe in to make that happen. Right. So like, I don't know, I think yeah, I mean, I think you've done a really great job of it, but it's definitely an interesting conversation like that I'm working on with my podcast too, is like, what's the role of working with partners, you know, and figuring out like, who are the companies and the brands that you like completely, completely stand behind? And like, what do those relationships look like? And knowing that like, there will be people who would prefer that you didn't do that. But then there's also going to be people who are so stoked that they found this like amazing new thing because of you, right? So it's like, if there isn't someone that's like pissed about what you're doing, then probably there's no one that like hardcore loves what you're doing. And like, I don't know. So I think taking feedback with like a grain of salt. Yeah. Another interesting challenge though, in this sponsorship journey that I've been on this past month is, I mean, I've sent so many emails and I've like the amount, like maybe for every 10 emails, I'll get one response back. And oftentimes people have asked me about like the evolution of my podcast. They're like, how have you gotten so many incredible people on the podcast? And it's just like straight up persistence. If someone doesn't email me back the first time, I'll email them back two weeks later and then I'll try again five weeks later and like just continuing to try. And I think that's with sponsorship. Like this is not over. I'm still in a place where I'm still looking for more sponsors. I'm still actively reaching out to people. So many companies have not gotten back to me. Um, so it's, yeah, it's just like, I think persistence is the, what I have to keep keep in my heart and my mind. Yeah, persistence. And then the other thing that I think about with stuff like this is like at some point it's like a numbers game, meaning, so like I'll share a story. I have a friend who's a freelance writer and I remember we were talking probably like four or five years ago and she was telling me how when she would pitch you know, like magazines or different things for different stories that she would 
often wind up feeling really disheartened when she would get rejection letters, right? And like all the times like you pitch and you don't hear something back or you pitch and they're like, this isn't a good fit for us, right? And so she was getting like really beaten down by it. And finally she was like, okay, if, you know, I pitch for every like 30 pitches, like probably someone's going to say yes. So she like took out a piece of paper and like made 30 X's on it. And every time she got a rejection, she circled it or like put a gold star on it and was like, all right, yep, got another rejection. That means I'm like one closer to, so it's like switching that mindset of like, you can't make any one response, like something to hang your hat on or not, right? That it's like persistence, like continuing to follow up with the same person totally, but also just like throwing a relatively wide net. And like, if I keep asking and keep like, eventually someone's going to say yes. Right. And like, so I think, I think about that a lot when I start to get in my head about, oh my God, what if this one person says no? Or what if, all right, well then someone else is going to say yes, you know? Yeah. And in our culture, I think of instant gratification, we want like we want the yes and we almost like feel like or at least I think we deserve the yes or we expect the yes and my whole podcast journey has taught me to like really expect the no yeah for me it's also like trying to work on taking the like ego validation piece out of it like if someone says no to being on the show or if someone says no to being a partner because I'm you know starting into kind of down the sponsorship path myself it doesn't mean anything about me as a person totally. or it doesn't even mean anything about the show. Like that maybe they're not a good fit or it doesn't like, it's not like, a, you know, their true yes thing. Like that's fine. But like be, when you do creative work, that's like so close to your heart that you like put so much into, it can feel like very, this is directly like at me, you know, like they hate me. I'm the worst like that. You know, you can like very easily slip down that spiral. So being able to create like a certain level of, detachment like caring a lot but not being like so invested that like every yes or no like determines how you feel about yourself and I think that applies I mean that lesson that you just spoke to applies to so many things in life whether it be through friendship through dating through career like when people say no instead of letting that be a personal attack just welcoming it as an opportunity for another door to open Easier said than done, right? <laughs> yes. Much okay, so that was done. your commitment for the month, which you made yeah. happen, which I think is awesome. And congratulations. What's like the most noticeable thing that you think you learned about yourself just through the process of making that commitment and going after it? That is a really powerful follow-up question, Nicole. That I love the work I do. That like I that getting to talk to people who are on the marketing side and get to tell them about why I do the podcast and what it means to me and the the impact it's having on people just that it's like it's it's from a really deep place inside of me that almost feels like this is like the work that I was meant to do like it's almost beyond me trying to do it there is no other option when you're when you're living in your light yeah i love that i mean and sometimes too even like rejection can help reinforce that because, you know, if you get rejection and you don't completely like crumble under it, it's like much easier, I think, to deal with rejection or obstacles or things like that when you feel at the heart of it, like I'm supposed to be doing this thing. So like I'm in this for the long game and this gonna, you know, yeah, like, this you is don't not need, going anywhere, right. You don't need it to be like, okay, well this needs to be wonderful in the next like six to eight days. Otherwise, you know, like that it's, I think it's easier to, to stick with that. I've been listening to a lot of interviews with Casey Neistat who if people don't know who he is, just search him on YouTube. He's one of the biggest YouTube celebs out there. But his story has just sourced me so much inspiration this past month in looking for sponsorship 
because he really speaks to the fact that like it took him, I think he said maybe like 13 or 15 years where he actually was like starting to make a career out of his creative work. And that so much of what I do is like, I'm, I really believe you have to stay the course. All good things take time. Yeah. I remember it's kind of a weird story, but when I was first considering starting the podcast, like I, I think I mentioned this either last time or two times ago that, I mean, I, I wanted to start a podcast for like a year and a half before I actually started it. And, you know, there were lots of like fears and excuses and things, whatever. And then once I was finally like, I really think this is what I want to do. Like the pull is stronger than the fear. I, um, this woman, Teresa Reed, um, she's known as the tarot lady. I think it's like tarotlady.com. I don't know if you know who she is. I love her work and I'm not even super into like tarot on my own, but, um, uh, she does like virtual readings where I think it's like 25 bucks or something like per question, you know, you ask like a really specific question and you give her kind of whatever information or context and she'll do a tarot reading and then send you basically like, it was like many paragraphs about like what the reading turned up. And I was like, screw it. This sounds fun. Like I'm going to do this thing. And a couple friends of mine who really respect her work, like recommended her to me. So I was like, why not? I might as well do this. And so I did it about like whether or not I should start this podcast. And then like what she said back, first of all, it was all like very, very encouraging. But one of the takeaways was she was like, if you start this, it's not going to even begin to hit its full potential for two years after you start it. So she was like, don't accept. I was like, and it's funny now that I think about that like every day that I'm like, I started this podcast the end of August last year. So we're like not even close to being one year in yet alone two years. I'm like, oh yeah, right. Stuff takes time. Right. And like relationships take everything. time. Not to say like suffer through something absolutely horrible and unimaginable if you don't have to, but like things take time. And I agree with you on like the instant gratification culture and what I've been thinking about a lot lately in terms of like what are kind of be going to be like the building blocks of my life this year, I need to balance or at least include kind of both ends of that spectrum. Like these things that are going to take time and that are more like the slow burn type activities. I've had my life set up where like everything is about that type of stuff, whether it's running goals or that type of stuff. And then I've had my life set up where like it's all fun and instant gratification and like neither of those work, but it also doesn't work for me like to not have both. So like I need to definitely have like scheduled instant gratification, like totally fine to go watch like binge on happy endings or do this other thing. Like, because if I'm getting the pleasure and the instant gratification and like that kind of like in the moment, like sensual, enjoyable experience from like these set of things, then it removes the expectation for that to come from these other things, if that makes sense. So I've been thinking about that a lot lately. I am kind of freaking out right now because I literally have talked with someone at length yesterday about this very thing in my life. That's so funny. You and I. Look at us. We're Super different, but like so hardcore on the same page. <laughs> it's kind of crazy because I've been thinking about so much about that slow burn. Like my whole life, almost everything I do is slow burn. And my perspective on things is just like everything takes time. As a kid who had a learning disability, everything took me twice as long to do. Like, I was the last kid in my first grade class that learned how to read. I had to go to a special tutor while everyone else could read together. You know, I had to repeat fifth grade. Like, I had so hard, like, academics were so hard for me. And I eventually, I mean, I came out on top. I graduated, like, magna cum laude from Bates College. But I still, I think I always felt like I had to work twice as hard as people. Mm. And that there's just, like, this slow burn. And I have to be careful not to resent that. And as you're speaking to, you need moments of that instant gratification or that pleasure and that lightness and that joy to balance the the deep, longer work. Yeah. And for me, 
like it almost sounds maybe funny to like the think of needing to like schedule that type of like pleasure, that type of stuff. But if I'm not intentional about doing like kind of everyday things that make me feel good, that's when I wind up like eating way too much sugar or like doing the things where I'm like, well, sugar makes me feel good for like the two seconds that it makes me feel good. Right. That like I wind up turning to like more, like things that are not sustainable. Sugar is fine to eat whenever I eat it. You know, like it's, I'm not saying like never eat sugar and it's whatever, but it's, yeah, I, I I turn to like things that are not really supportive if I'm not including like fun and connection and playtime and like that kind of stuff in my life. Then I'm like, okay, well, I'm gonna eat all these cookies, I guess. <laughs> you know, like, obviously the sugar is just like one example, but it's like I'm realizing that I think we have this like, or I have had a like misconception of fun that it's just spontaneous and it just happened like. No, like we're adults. Everyone's busy. They have things to do. They have their commitments. Like you have to make plans with people. Like you have, it's like, like that there can be like a lot of fun that comes also from like some scheduling and some discipline and stuff like that. So is there anyone you, you look at out there that you feel like has that really balance in their life that like a friend of yours or a mentor or a person out there that you're like, wow, they really seem like they have that. Um, yes. So my good friend, Alexandra Franzen, who... I love, I adore her, her as a person and also her work. She's a writer and, um, writing teacher. And yeah, she, to me is like definitely someone that I look up to for like valuing kind of her own needs, whatever those are, whether that's like, so she doesn't use social media at all, which I think is incredibly fantastic, especially having like basically an online business, right? That's like, it really helped me break the myth that I tell myself, like, there's no way I can be successful doing anything online unless I'm on social media, which obviously isn't true because, Hey, look at this person who's, you know, incredibly successful and, you know, doesn't use social media. So that obviously that's just like one example, but conversations that she and I have had about this kind of stuff, you know, she has this perspective of like, your life. She talks about life minutes. I think you and I have talked about this off air, but you know that like, what if you look at your life the same way that you would like a bank account, right? Like, obviously we don't know when we're going to die, but she was like, if I assume that I'm going to live till I'm a hundred or 90 or whatever, like I could actual count a finite amount of minutes that I would have. And then, okay, well, how do I want to be spending them? What do I want to be exchanging my life minutes for? And that concept like sticks in my head a lot. Cause I see her being like, all right, I'm not going to be on social media. Cause instead I'm going to like eat this almond croissant and like have some sex. And like, that's, I'm like, yep, yep. You know, or like read what you want to read or go on. She like went on this 10 day road trip to like Montana and Wyoming during the summer. She was like, I feel like I'm going to get good writing done. Like on that. She just like honors her, like what is like a true yes for her. And I admire that a lot. That's so cool. So let's look at your month. What I mean, where you at right now is pretty different than where you were at the beginning of the month for a lot of different reasons. So what was your commitment and what's going on for you? So my commitment was less specific than yours. It was about following through and like doing what I said that I was going to do in a couple of different arenas uh, related to running and then also related to the podcast differently from your show with like weekly episode releases. My show is... It's called Real Talk Radio. Um, I do seasonal releases, so it's... And the next one's coming out February 1st. February 1st, yeah. Which, by the time this podcast is released, the eight episodes will have been released. So everyone, put a pause on your 
listening to us right now and then subscribe to Real Talk Radio. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for that. But yeah, um, it's so it's a seasonal show, meaning that I do eight episode seasons that are released all at once the same way that like Netflix does its shows. So, you know, the commitment of doing what I said that I was going to do was really related around running and around the podcast because those were the things that felt, you know, like the most exciting and the most important for me for January. Um, on the podcast front, it went incredibly well. Um, I'm actually, I'm actually so excited. Like the first two seasons were really fun and really awesome, but there's something about the season that felt like when you were saying before about it being a calling and you feel like it's just kind of something you're just like a part of something or however you phrased it before I had this one moment. I think it was, I was after I recorded with my friend Jackie Carr and like, there was like multiple times during the episode where I was like kind of obsessively, I did this with other guests too, like obsessively making sure that it was actually recording. Cause I was like, everything she's saying is so good. And like, this was so like, like, is this working? Is this working? And like, when we got off, cause I do mine on Skype, when we got off Skype, I just had this moment where I was like, this thing is happening that I don't even feel like I'm a part of. Like, I'm like, I'm so lucky to be able to like be in these conversations. I know that obviously I am a part of it, but it was just this feeling of like, things are coming together. And last season, season two, I had a bunch of technical problems with Skype, like a lot of dropped calls, a lot of like, just kind of like the frustrating things that happen when like you rely on an external tool that's like based on the internet and you know, whatever. And I had no problems. Like Skype was just like every, it was just like click, 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 like everything kind of fell into place, which is awesome. I'm super excited. So in terms of doing what I said I was going to do to make this like the best season that I feel like I could definitely like boxes checked. That's awesome. Um, the running stuff, not as awesome. Um, so right after the beginning of the year, um, I got this terrible sinus infection. Like I tend not to get sick that much, like since making some kind of dietary changes since I quit drinking, like I just don't really get sick that much, which is awesome. I used to get sick all the time got a terrible sinus infection. I went up, I went to LA for a couple days to have like a creative retreat with my best friend. She and I try to like escape to kind of remote places a couple times a year to just like download our lives to each other and like talk and figure stuff out. And, you know, she's my best sounding board for things and was, you know, totally sick the entire time I was sick for like nine days. And, um, so that obviously wasn't ideal. And I felt like I, couldn't really get momentum going with running because it was either like the weather here was terrible and, you know, couldn't do this. And I, you know, was toughing it out, went running outside, you know, had the spike shoes, all that still like fell, like fell real hard, cut my knee open, like bruised my hip, then had this terrible sinus. It was like one thing after another, finally get better from that. Have a couple of really good weeks of like, yep, doing what I said I was going to do. I felt that like kind of rising tide feeling of momentum that was fantastic. And then, um, obviously at the time of this recording, so like a little over a week ago was had a great run on the treadmill and then did just like what for me was a very standard strength training routine afterwards, like body weight stuff, squats, lunges, jumping squats, that kind of stuff. And on the second circuit of it was doing a jumping squat, went up, came down, like normal form, like nothing happened. And when I was coming down, like as I was landing, it was a sound like, like, a couple people were standing behind me all cracking their knuckles at the same time. It was this like very loud, like popping sound and just like absolute crazy, excruciating pain. I mean, I don't have a very high pain tolerance anyway, so take that as it, as it's whatever. But I was in, luckily I was in the, um, we have a little gym in our garage. So I was at home, but like literally could not move was like laying on the ground in the garage. I'm like crying hysterically. Like I was so scared because my bed was like oh, so much pain in my lower back. And, um, couldn't sit, couldn't kneel, couldn't walk, couldn't anything. Took me 
probably a good solid eight minutes to crawl like five feet to like get into the living room. It was like a lot of fortunate things. Like luckily my husband also works from home and I was you know able to be like, uh, something happened like so, so, so terrified. Anyway, long story short, he took me to, you know, the emergency urgent care or whatever, which was its own like horrifying experience with this woman that worked there. That was horrible. Um, but got x-rays, got all that stuff done. Um, I have severe muscle strain, potentially some ligament stuff and potentially like a, what they're calling like a bulge disc, not as bad as a herniated disc. Um, but it could be a couple of different things. So I'm in PT now, but obviously that was like throwing a huge wrench into the running plans to the point where I was almost laughing, like that it was the, the takeaway. I mean, there was a couple takeaways for me was like, I think that I can control all the things like this is my, I think everyone, we all have lots of issues, but I think everyone has like a, what I call like a personal Mount Everest to climb. And like mine is control for sure. Like I, I want to control all the things. And that's like the lesson that I need to keep relearning over and over is like, it's so cute, Nicole, that you want to control all the things, but like you, you can't do that. You're actually in control of like not much at all. That like one minute you could be totally fine. Right. And like five seconds later, you cannot move your body. And it was so scary, but it was also such a good reminder that like I can have this like meticulous goal setting strategy and like can be committed can do the things but like I still need to maintain like some sense of like whatever's going to happen is going to happen both good and bad right that um so it's been like an interesting at this point last like week or so trying to come to terms with what that means for running and you know just like whatever for the next couple months but it's been it's been intense so on one hand like i did what i said i was going to do when it was possible and then you know but it's just like goes to show you you can do what you say you're going to do and like fluke things can still happen i'm so inspired by your perspective on it and your ability to be so reflective in you know in that you your tendency is to control and this is this is a lesson that's really cool that you can see it as a lesson what has taken you out of the pain like where have you been able to find joy or find relief either be physical emotional spiritual during this experience um I mean so a couple different things I mean physically it's not as bad as it was when it first happened right so like the first layer like there was physical pain too but it was also just like so much fear like I've never had anything like this happen like I've been really lucky I've never broken bones I've never like had to rush to a doctor for any reason especially like with something that's back related that like affects basically like your entire person, right? Like I know you had some back stuff when you first moved here to Bend and like it affects everything, like every position, right? It's, I mean, sleeping, especially. Everything. Like yeah. when I moved here, I couldn't, I couldn't run for the first three weeks of moving to Bend because of some back stuff. And I mean, running was just one part of it, but like not being able to sleep comfortably. Oh yeah. And for me, I mean, the most painful position is sitting and I had still another, you know, like four podcasts to record. And then it was like, great, well, I'm sitting down for like two hours per podcast and, you know, found some workarounds and stuff. But, um, so the thing for me that helped the most at first was like learning that it wasn't anything terrible. Right. That like, I was so afraid, like, oh my God, like, what does this mean? Do I need surgery? Like the pain was like so bad when it first happened that like part of my like extreme emotional reaction was fear. So like once like the x-rays came back clear and that kind of stuff, like that was a big relief that like, okay, this sucks, but I'm fine as far as like these kinds of things go. And then I have my first physical therapy appointment today, which also alleviated that more because in the last week, even as I've been like slowly starting to get a little better, I still wasn't sure which movements are safe. What should I do? What should I not do? You know, if I can't really sit, I haven't been driving because I'm afraid of that, you know, so I was just very 
like cautious with everything that I was doing. So talking to people who kind of know what's up, right. And having a great physical therapist has been helpful in terms of like, don't worry, you're like, you're fine. Right. So like that element. Um, other than that, I mean, I was really, okay. What do I want to say? Um, I was obviously really bummed when it first happened because I had a lot of like running goals for the next couple months and like I've already signed up for some races and wanted to do these things like, you know, had, you know, purchased a custom training plan from an old coach and that could, so like I had all of those kind of like things in place and that training was supposed to start February 1st and you know, like had the whole thing. So my first reaction was like, oh my God, like I'm not gonna be able to do any of these races and, you know, just like the normal disappointment that comes from this kind of stuff. But I... I think we spend a lot of our lives trying to avoid disappointment, but also like disappointment's fine. Like you can be like, you can be disappointed. So it was a good, and I talk about that kind of stuff a lot. So it was like a good opportunity to like a practice what you preach type of situation. Like I'm was like super devastated. Okay. I'm not going to die from that. Right. So it was like a part of it for me was just like, let it be fine that I'm like sad and bummed and like, don't want to do anything productive and want to lay on the floor on this heating pad and like take a lot of ibuprofen and watch happy endings. Right. So like part of it is just like, yeah, I'm like bummed. This sucks. Period. Not like, I don't have, you know, like I'm something I'm working on is like not needing to justify my feelings. Like I feel sad and devastated and this is shit. (laughs) Full stop. Right. Not because this, this, like, no, it's fine. You can just like feel how you feel. Um, But, you know, then once I did start to think about the running stuff, this is a much longer answer to your question, I think, than probably you were looking for. But um, I, this is going to be where the like hippie juju stuff comes in. I do think that injuries and sometimes things are just like fluke physical things. But I think there's often an emotional component to it or like a, I don't want to say I manifested this injury because that sounds whatever, but I think Actually, no, I'm not going to hedge. I think I did. I think I manifested this injury because I I don't think that on like my deep level, I actually wanted the running goals that I set for myself for this year. And I had a conversation with a friend recently where I said that I I said something to her about how like she's so in touch with her intuition and like I wish that I was more like that. I had this realization that I was like, oh, I actually hear my intuition really strong. I just don't listen to it. So like last year when I took that break from running, like that was a good example of listening to the intuition. But then as soon as I started like wanting to run again, it was kind of this like full scale. Okay, well now I have to train for stuff and I have to do this because this is the only way that I know how to love running and I have to make these goals public. And I like, who am I if I'm not running and doing this kind of stuff? Um, But there was definitely a part of me even back then that was more interested in like not necessarily like the long distance hiking, like we were talking about, but just like adventures. Like I was reading a lot of a couple of the books by Alistair Humphreys. So I think you and I have talked about, um, off air. He's this like awesome adventurer, like took four years to cycle around the world. He's been on Real Talk Radio. Oh yeah. 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 He was on my show, which was like a huge fangirl moment. (laughs) Separate story. Um, but, and I was like, oh man, I want to have adventures or I want to like walk from here to Portland or just like random stuff was like coming into my head that I'm like, this would be fun. This would be fun. But I didn't let myself like lean into that and like fell back into the like comfortable pattern of like running and training and like and yeah. I have to have like a goal that's gonna follow a training plan and right or that's structure. gonna make sense well, or and to come back to control. Oh, 100%. I mean, it's all control, hundred percent. And but also in terms of like this is what people expect from me or that there's a lot of layers into this right, which I don't think we'll, we'll cover all of that now. But that I 
like I love, there's so much I love about running and like, yes, I like want to get faster and these, like, it would be so awesome to run a sub six minute mile. And like, it's not that I don't want those things, but this injury showed me that I think right now, maybe I don't want them enough because getting injured while devastating after that passed and after like the main fear passed, I actually feel kind of relieved which is like very interesting because I was feeling this like very fear-based, okay, we'll I have to start training. And then my first race is this date. And like, I definitely want to run a PR and I de- like relax. So I feel because that has been like essentially just like taken off the table, like this morning at physical therapy, he said it could be up to six weeks until I could run again. He said probably less, but I mean, six weeks, not nothing, right? That like, that's essentially the time frame to when like the, the beginning of these races were and stuff. So it's, uh, I'm feeling like, okay, like now it's time to like get out of pain and like, you know, get to like a solid foundation and then like start to more holistically think about what does that mean? And I'm like, I love running and I know that that's going to be a piece of it, but, um, or just like a piece of my life in general. So I have no actual concrete answers other than like this raised a lot of question and I'm paying attention to the fact that like I was devastated at first because of like the loss of control and fear and change of expectations, but that now I'm actually feeling kind of relieved. And one of the other things that like broke stuff open for me when I was on the run that I, when I was running right before I did that strength session and I was listening to you, the, uh, the podcast that you did with Lauren, the first, what the, the ask Lauren Fleshman right, series. Right. And, um, so I, I only got through the first half hour of it cause it was a short run and she said something which the verbatim is going to be way better than I can remember, but it was something about, um, like being aware of the situation where like the thing that you want most, like might not be like best suited for you or whatever. And I should look up the exact wording cause it was like real brilliant to the point where I was like running and literally like stopped, like pushed pause on my like little iPod shuffle. And I was like, "Eh, I got to think about that for a little bit. So it was like thinking about that. And like that hit me really hard. And like seven minutes later, this injury happened. And I was like, okay, well, that's not a coincidence. Like that there's definitely, right? The universe, right? And that that has been a point of comfort for me that like this thing that I want, like maybe isn't actually the thing that is going to serve me the most right now. So I have no idea where that leads to, but it's been like a very kind of up and down month, I will say. You're listening to the questions, you're listening to what's arising, and I think that's where the growth happens. I find the statement you said about manifesting injury really interesting because I'm a believer, like, our tissues and our body, like, they hold our emotions. If you look at it through the yogic system, different parts of your body, like, relate to different parts of your emotional, spiritual body. The tissues and the way in which they're being held also relates to your level of stress and your level of happiness, and I... Yeah, I'm right there with you and thinking about that we can manifest our own injuries. But at the same time, I also want to say that there's people out there who are injured who are going to be listening right now. And some people I don't think are manifesting it. I agree. Well, I think it really yeah. depends on what situation we're speaking to. But I think both me and you, like we've had certain things that have happened in the past year and with my body and that I see that the manifestation has happened there. Yeah. I think, well, and that's, I struggle with this as like a, do I 100% believe this or not believe this concept? And it feels weird to say that I 100% believe it sometimes, which like doesn't seem like math. That doesn't seem to make sense. But like, as I remember when I had my sinus infection, I read something, I like went down the rabbit hole of clicking dumb stuff off Facebook and wound up reading some article that someone wrote about like, kind of like the spiritual side of like her sickness, but like she she was, you know, had a cold or had some kind of like throat thing. It was like coming down with something and, you know, realized it was because of like blocked creativity. And as soon as she like had a 
difficult conversation or made the art or did whatever, like all of a sudden it just like magic went away. And like, I remember reading that, like literally rolling my eyes, like into the back of my head, not to discount her experience, but like I was sick and I was like, sometimes you just have a sinus infection or like sometimes you like touch a germy kid and then you get sick. Sometimes you just break your foot. Right. Right. Sometimes, right. Like something happens to your foot. Exactly. So I think it's, it's kind of this, I'm in this experience of like holding space for like two things that are completely opposite of each other because I believe a hundred percent like sometimes you just get stuff happens sometimes shit happens some, right but so, but I feel yeah I feel that this was something that was manifested I remember um a book that I actually think that you would really like um it's called Elite Minds by Dr. Stan Beecham. Have you read that? I have not. It's my favorite sports psychology book. So like any, like it's all about kind of like building like a mental edge and mental toughness, like in sport and business. And like the kind of book that I basically highlighted the entire book. I was like, well, I wore out my highlighter. Um, and he talks about how the subjective experience of like patients that would come to his office or, you know, like, or people that he talked to about injuries or like in different situations, you know, if they like busted their knee skiing or whatever, when he says like, okay, tell me what happened. Like the story isn't, I fell weird and this happened. It was always, well, I was like having a fight with my husband and we were on our way up. Like they always wound up telling the like emotional thing that was somehow related to it. And he was like, I noticed that happening over and over and over that like, like you said, like the stress can, I don't know, clearly I have no like scientific background for any of this, but I, I feel like that's what happened to me. Like I needed to take a pause out from this like obsessive goal chasing that wasn't making me feel that great. And sometimes if you're like not listening to those like smaller signals, I feel like your body will be like, uh, hello, excuse me, pay attention to me. And like, clearly now I can't not pay attention to it because I like can't do anything, (laughs) you know? So, yeah. So for February, what, what do you want to commit to? Is it related to this or is it totally separate? What do I want to commit to? So I actually didn't think about this before the call on purpose because I was like, what's going to come out organically or before, not the call, we're sitting here in person. You know what I mean? Before this. Um, Commitment for February is, so I'm going to say the couple of first things that come to my mind. The first thing that comes to my mind is like being gentle with myself during this process because I'm like, okay, well, now I went to the physical therapist and he gave me the things to do. So like, this should be better in five days. Okay, no, like be calm. Or like, what's wrong with you that you're not getting better, right? That there's like, I think that kind of like self-talk that can come in. Um, So like maintaining, encouraging, like gentle self-talk during whatever happens in the next four weeks. Because in the next four, like maybe by the time like we're sitting down and talking at the end of February, maybe I'm running again. Or maybe I'm not. And so like just being gentle, with myself, but not letting myself off the hook. So meaning obviously in the first couple of days of this, like, yeah, I'm just going to like lay here and like cry and watch happy endings, but, and that's fine sometimes, but like I have a tendency to sometimes be too all or nothing. Like if I'm not training at my highest level and like working towards this goal, then all I'm going to do is sit on the couch right? That it's this like, well, I had one cookie, so I might as well have 12 cookies. And that just this like very all or nothing, black and white kind of perfectionist thing that, okay, well, I can't run, but I have this like little set of exercises that I can, you know, I'm supposed to do twice a day from the PT and like taking that kind of stuff as seriously as I would take training. So like being gentle, but also not giving up because I think it's easy to be like, well, fuck it. Everything got messed up. So I don't care. Like I'm going to, I'm not going to worry about it, which I think is more of like a self-preservation thing. Cause actually you do care. Um, so 
excuse me, still pushing myself within the limits that are possible. You know, I'm allowed to walk and I'm allowed to try the elliptical this week and see how that works. So not like being kind to myself, but not giving up if that's so another kind of like dichotomy of like things to hold. So I think that's my big, I don't know if commitment, I think intention is more, you know, appropriate, um, for that. And then on kind of the more creative side. So the way that the podcast works, it's an eight episode season that I release every other month. So like season four will come out April 1st, which means I'll record the first two weeks of March. So within February, that means securing the guests for that like two week recording window. And, um, there's in past seasons, I've been grateful enough to have like some of my smart, wonderful friends and stuff come on. There've been very few people that were cold pitches, you know, that essentially I was like, please come on my show. Alistair Humphreys was one of those, right? Hence my fangirl moment. Um, but I have a couple people that I want to have on the show that I'm nervous to reach out to, which is because of everything we talked about at the beginning, right? Like, please like me, please say yes, like, please, whatever. So my commitment is to like, not shy away from that, not wait till the last minute, like just go for it. The worst case happens is they don't respond or they say no. Okay. That's totally fine. Right. There's things I don't respond to sometimes. Like that's, it is what it is. So creatively, I would like to push myself to reach out and to do that kind of stuff. And yeah. What about you? What's, what's on your February intention commitment list? Yeah. So I came in with like one intention, but now I feel like it's kind of surface. You know, like, and that there's actually intentions underneath that are things that I really need to do. Like, what I really need to do the work on is not what I'm, like, I feel comfortable saying, but probably that I should say. Okay, or, or just talk through the whole process. So what's the thing you came in here with? The thing I came in here with is sleep. I haven't been getting enough sleep the past couple months. Because you haven't been prioritizing it or because something's making you, like, not get good sleep, like you're tossing and turning type of stuff? I think it's both. I think um, I'm not really someone in my day who procrastinates. That's not just like in my nature. So usually when I'm working, I'm very intentional with my time. And oftentimes that means I'm working till the very end of my day. And then I try to give myself like a 30 minutes or so to transition into like sleep mode through journaling, foam rolling, reading, gentle yoga meditation. But I've just not been getting enough sleep because like I get in my bed and I'm oftentimes my mind is just racing, racing about the different things that are going on, the different things on my to-do list. And sometimes I'm actually excited when I'm like trying to fall asleep because I'm thinking about the run I'm going to go on the next morning and really excited about it. So it's, it's tricky, but I think one of my commitments is to, um, get at least seven hours of sleep. I've been getting like six, which just for me, some people, I'm amazed at those superhumans who can get like four or five or six hours and be crushing it, but I'm not one of them. Dude, if I don't sleep like nine hours, we're in a situation. So I hear you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sitting here right now having slept probably like five and a half hours, you know? Nope. Mm-mm. I hear you. That does not yeah. work. And yeah. it's not like, because I, I really think like I, you can, you can um, function actually at a high level without a lot of sleep, but I think it's the accumulation. And then I also think the quality of your spiritual internal experience, as well as the energy you're emitting into the world and your relationships, your relationship with your work, I think it's not at like at its highest level when you don't have sleep. Well, I mean, and also obviously we talked about some mental health stuff last time, like I mean, there's nothing that you will read that won't say that that's one of the most important things, right? Like I look at, like for me in terms of like any recommendations I've seen with like depression or bipolar or anything like that, like sleep, 
don't drink, right? Like those are the, th- obviously there's other things, but like those are the things that come up again and again that like when you're like well rested and getting enough sleep, like it's, I think it's so important for mental health stuff. Totally. And it's so much easier to show up when you actually are rested and recharged. Okay. And so that's the surface level thing. I mean, I don't think that's surface level, but what were the things underneath it? Yeah, I think, so I, yeah, I mean, I think as far as like committing to sleep, I think the way in which I, one of the, I was talking to one of my roommates who actually uses like a sleep app to track her sleep. And we were speaking about it on like a run last week and she was talking about like the different patterns in her sleep. And it's an amazing resource out there. So I'm, I'm considering looking into that. And so yeah, Paul uses one. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I don't, because I don't like keeping my phone near me when Mm -hmm. I'm like, I like the mental separation of my phone is downstairs plugged in in the office so that it can't be the first thing or the last thing that I look at. Totally. He doesn't have those compulsions and doesn't mind. Right. So yeah, he uses it and like totally loves it. It'll tell you like how much you woke up in the night, that type of stuff. Whereas like, I'm very aware of how much I woke up in the night. So, but yeah, it's cool. It's like a cool thing if you're into it. So yeah, that's, so that's goal number one, sleep, seven hours, track it. And then I'd say my other kind of more like deeper is that I really, I feel like I'm, I'm struggling with a lot of shame right now Hmm. and a lot of shame around the fact that I have so much negative self-talk that's constantly a soundtrack in my head that I'm constantly having to be in dialogue with inside. And it's pretty exhausting and I don't know. And so starting to really kind of actually just embrace the, embrace the shame, embrace the negative self-talk, like actually start to befriend it so that I can move forward with it. Instead of almost being so like ashamed that I have so much negative self-talk that it's keeping me in this like spiral, I think. Whereas it's your, where you were speaking to with like feeling sad, just being like, okay, I'm sad. Like here it is. Welcome sadness. So in actually welcoming some of the conversations that go inside it, instead of either dissociating from them are feeling like I'm living a lie because they're going on. Yeah, I mean, well, because then it's almost like an added layer of feeling bad because, like, it's, it's, I mean, obviously I can't speak to your experience, but, like, for me, like, if I'm sad or disappointed or whatever, that I have that feeling. And then if I'm also, like, operating under the, like, you shouldn't feel this way, right, or, like, any kind of shame or judgment around that feeling, then it's, like, then I also, then I feel bad for even feeling that way. And then it's just, like just a downward spiral of feeling bad, right? As like, I'm less interested in removing the sadness than like the, than the need to judge sad being wrong, right? It's like taking out that. So I don't know if that like is kind of what you're talking about, but yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Is there anything that you find that is helping you with that? I have, I talked about this last time, but I really think journaling is a really powerful mechanism right now in my life in working through some of the self-talk and through befriending it and actually being in dialogue with it. I also think prayer is a really big part of my life and kind of my relationship to God and being in communion with that. And so I'd say those, those would be the two central things. Yeah, I self-talk is like such an interesting thing because obviously you like only experience it within yourself, right? But being able – I read a book last year called The Untethered Soul. Have you read that by Michael not. Singer? I mean, you have read like a bajillion times more books than I have ever or ever um, will read. Well, this one I think particularly like you would be interested in. It was like there were some pretty profound parts about the like 
inner voice type of thing. And like the premise or the main takeaway that I got from the book was that like, you are not like the talking inside your head. Like you are the one who hears that talking. Like maybe I'm not like saying that perfectly, but like we think that those words or that whatever, like that's us. But like the same way that like, I'm the one who's speaking right now and you know that you're not me because you're hearing me the same way that like if you can hear speaking going on, like that's just this voice, this chatter is like not like being able to, I'm probably not articulating it well, but like that idea of being separate from it, meaning like this isn't like unequivocal truth or this isn't like nest, like being able to just take a little bit of distance between like the crazy chatter that's going on in my head. Like, okay, I can just like hear that the same way that like the radio might be on doesn't mean anything, right? Like not to discount our, both of our experiences with like this self-talk, but that is something that I have found to be helpful for me to be like, okay, chatter, chatter, chatter. Like, what if this is just static? What if I turn this down? What if I don't pay attention? The same way that like the radio could be on, but I could leave the room or I could start cooking or like, does that make sense? Does it sound like totally crazy? No, it, it does. It makes a lot of sense to me. I think it makes me think about that so if you, if you're not just your self-talk and then also like, you're not just the words you say, then it's like, what are you, what are you? And how am I experiencing Nicole? And for me, I've really, I experience people in energy. And so I see you across the table right now, but then around your whole entire being, I see energy and it's not in color. It's not actually like a visual thing, but it's an energetic feeling that I can feel And I feel that energy holds your past, your present, and your future. And it also holds that, like, soul, your soul dharma, which is what you're meant to do on this earth. Okay, okay. And so that's kind of how I try to, like, that is something I try to hold in myself, is that, like, I have a lot of negative self-talk. But ultimately, like, my soul, what I'm here to do, like, my energy will win and that it can almost feel like a war inside of me that I have like my higher self talking to my lower self right which I think is I mean maybe people wouldn't phrase it exactly the same way but that's like such that's like what being human is right like that I think that's a very universal thing that you just spoke to yeah but it's sometimes I think where I sometimes feel like a little weird is like I really do see people in energy and so when I meet people I feel your energy within the first minute of meeting you and I can feel whether that energy resonates or not. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't mean I'm not going to give people a chance, of course. And and people surprise you. And I don't know everything about you. I don't really know much about you. But it's it's something I, I feel really strongly. How does that then come into play for you, like within yourself? Like, do you try to hold an awareness of your own energy as being like more important and more powerful than like the random chatter? Can you ask that question in a different way? So like what you were saying that like using me as an example that I'm more than just like these are the words I'm saying, right? That you like see the energy and like respond that you have like a relationship with the energy. Like how does that work with like your relationship with your own energy versus like your relationship with like the self-talk there? Yeah, I think that's where I'm I'm trying to navigate that because I, I don't think I'm fully... I mean, people will, people reflect back to me sometimes, but the energy they experience about me and I can feel like a part of my own energy. And I think that's maybe a reason why I like to spend so much time alone is because I think it's being able to just really dwell in who you are and really listen to that, like in a really intimate way. 
I think happens a lot, a lot easier when you're alone. Mm-hmm. It's interesting. I like these kind of conversations because like, there's no answer, right? Like we have no like magic solution for like negative self-talk. And I think, I don't know, not to say that there aren't people that have tools and things that help, but like so much of what I see in terms of like self-help world, it's like, okay, well you just do this one thing or like that. No, you don't, there is no just like one thing. Like, but having these kinds of conversations, like, I don't know, I find it to be like comforting, not that you feel that way, but like, okay, I'm not alone. And sometimes even that is the thing that like breaks me free from this thing is like, okay, it's not just me. I'm not the only one who like is with the self-talk, right? Or like, I remember I talked to about stuff like this with my friend Molly and she was saying that she, one of the tools she uses is she has created like basically like an internal like guardian for herself. Like that I think she was saying she sees it as like the kind of like maternal grandmother, right? That's like can come in and like soothe her and do like, it's almost like you like purposefully have self-talk that's like different than that where it's like you bring in that like oh it's okay molly like you're fine you know so it's like well you speak to someone yeah you would speak to someone like you'd speak to your best friend or your future daughter like i think that's that is a tool that many people have encouraged me to kind of do is that when the negative self-talk comes in like what would i say to a friend who is expressing this to me yeah i think to be fair, I haven't really like done a lot of work in this arena. Maybe I will wind up doing that this month with that being something funny enough that you and I both want to work on, you know, the kind of self-talk gentleness. Um, the thing, the only thing that I know for sure that helps me is that kind of disassociation piece, meaning like just because I think something doesn't mean that it's true. Like being able to divorce like a thought from truth because it's like so easy to be like, well, okay, well, I'm a failure or I'm like too weak for this or I'm like whatever the, the, sto- like the cycles are, right? Like, or the, whatever the stories are that come up, like, okay, that could be like a thing that this internal voice thinks, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it's true. Like just being able to hold on to like some separation of like, okay, those are just words. That's not like truth and this doesn't always work, but it's, I think for me, that's what I will try to use this month, you know, in terms of gentleness of like things that come up that are negative, they're not necessarily true, you know? Yeah. I like your friend Molly's, I almost think of it as a fairy godmother. Oh yeah. No, totally. That's what I think too. That is what it is. Or even like the way that I've thought about it is like, then you have that, like, and so for some people it's like a Wonder Woman type of internal protector, you know, like whatever the thing is that you resonate with, it's going to like, depending upon what you need it for, like if it's for soothing, if it's for protecting, like I can almost envision in my head, like that person's job is to like be a buffer between like that negative, right? Between the like bully, like if it's the personification does help me, right? If I think of like negative self-talk as being like, like a bully or like this like total bitch person, right? Then like this other person's job is to deal with them. Like I have other things to do with myself. Like I have to do my PT exercises, like, okay, whatever grandma or superwoman, whatever their name is, like, can you just deal with this? Like, I can't with that right now. Like even that, like making it into something. But to me, that's where I give it out over to God. Exactly. So, but that's and what I'm that's saying. how Anything I understand like it. Yeah. And that's, and other people understand it in their own way. And that's all, it's all good. But that, yeah, no, that's, that's a great point. But just having some, I think like exploring tools like this and this kind of stuff. Not that, again, there's like a magic solution, but I'm always interested in like how other people kind of like cope and what their tools are. And then how can we like personalize those for ourselves, right? This idea of like giving this thing away, like this is not my problem to deal with. That's a control thing, right? Like the control thing is I have to fix all the things. I have to be the one who does all the stuff. 
being able to be like, no, that's fine. Like, I'm just not going to deal with that right now. Like sending that off into wherever. Yeah. I like it. Agreed. Where else, what else do we want to bring to the mic? Any, any questions we want to throw at each other? Any questions? Um, so you asked me about books and stuff. Has there been anything that you have consumed, whether like an article, a podcast, a show, a book that was impactful for you in January or that stuck out for you? I have actually been doing more reading, which is exciting, probably because you inspire me so much to read more um, and to make that more of my evening ritual. But I'd say the podcast that has really impacted me and then also reading his books. There's a man named Rob Bell, who's a pastor, and um, he just speaks to the human experience, which we're talking about. And he had a podcast recently um, about good versus perfect. And both of us, as people who have control as a part of our work that we need to do, he really spoke about that good versus perfect. And he, I mean, he's just a person I could just listen to all day. And he lives in LA. And this month I'm headed to LA. And he was one of those people that, you know, I was like, I could never get him on my podcast. It's not even worth trying. You know, like he's so big name. He's Oprah's like best friend, you know? Um, and, but I, I wrote him an email and he replied and I'm going to be doing a podcast interview with him. See, see, you, and also it's always no, if you don't ask. Exactly. Yeah. I love it. I'm, I'm excited for that episode too, by the way. Cause yeah, I think his work is wonderful. Yeah, his work is really, really powerful. I think, though, even more so than, like, what he's talking about, the craft in which he does it is actually how – it's the biggest lesson for me. What do you mean when you say that? Like, he can sit down in front of a mic and talk for 30 minutes and have a cohesive a cohesive message and speak from the heart and be unfiltered and be bold – and that to me is like w- amazed me. Like that's so inspiring. So I think more even like I really loved his whole discussion on good versus perfect, but seeing someone who can just like step into the divine, like speak from it, that's just lights me up. So that was the thing that was most impactful for you, you think? Yeah. Just All like right. just seeing like just kind of following him and following his work. That was really impactful. I had something happen this week that's a little bit off topic. It's not something Go for that it. It's just a story to share. That was, I spoke about my New Year's intention is to be the light. So this past week, I um, there's a yoga studio in Bend that's a heated power vinyasa studio. And they teach a certain style of yoga called Baptiste Yoga. And I reached out about teaching there because this is a style of yoga I've grown up practicing and I love practicing. And they they were saying like, no, you're not able to teach here because you're not trained in our method. And, but I finally talked to the owner and I was like, you know, I've been practicing this style for 10 years, even though I haven't done an official training, I have a 500 hour certification. I've practiced this a ton. Like, just give me a chance. Let me teach you a mini class. So she didn't have me teach her a mini class. I had to teach her and her co-owner of the studio an hour-long class. Like a private class? A private class. Nice. All right. To the two owners. And both of them are women in their 40s and 50s. And I mean, I'm a 24-year-old teacher, and I have been teaching for six years. But I would, And one of them's really intimidating. 
And like talk about being the light, like having to just stand in my strength and, and kind of like pretend like I wasn't afraid. I mean, obviously inside welcoming the fear and, but also just being like, I'm, I know my stuff and having to trust in it. It was like a real practice for me of being in the light. And then also not being afraid of, of speaking, like of speaking to the spiritual side of things, like in the class, like even though I have, do not have as much life experience as these women, I still, that's something I bring into my teaching, even though it's a very physical practice. I always like bringing us back to the spiritual grounding. And sometimes I'm afraid to do that with people who are so much older than me because I'm like, they have, they've experienced so much more. What do I have to share to them? But at the same time, not being well, afraid Well, it's like to. imposter syndrome, right? Which exactly. I think, but to be fair, I think everyone has that in some capacity, no matter how old they are, whatever. So, like, again, I think that's, like, a very universal thing. Like, who am I to do this work, right? Whatever. And, like, there would could be – you could feel like that when you're 50. <laughs> like, I think that's just, like, a part of being human. I think with the class, though, the, the most challenging part was after the class. They gave me a lot of feedback on the class. And some of it was positive and some of it was negative. And having to like sit there when people are giving you negative feedback that sometimes you want to justify and explain and just having to like sit there and receive. So what was the outcome of that situation? They want me to teach there, which is really exciting. Um, But there's just some protocol that I'm going to have to go through in order to be up to standard for their teaching there. That's exciting. Also, I mean, good for you, right? Like putting yourself out there, I think. I don't know. Those are always the things that I find to be like motivational. Like someone, it's not like it was totally perfect, right? Like they had negative feedback. Uh, Same thing with the disappointment. Like, okay, well, you didn't die. Like that might have been like a challenging experience to sit there. Like we build these things up in our head that like it's going to be the end of the world. You're fine, right? Like I think, and I like I say say that with like love and I'm more saying that to myself. Like we just think it's going to be such a big deal if we like get a negative review or we get like, I don't know, anytime I'm in this place, I, um, if I'm like worried about feedback or different things, like I pick one of my like all time favorite books and I go on Amazon and I like see how many one star review they have reviews they have. And I'm like, all right, okay, fine. Like this book that changed my life. People are one star. This is the worst thing. I would give this zero stars if I could. Okay. It's fine. Like that's just, it just is right. Yeah. Can we close today by asking our listeners a question for them to think about? Ooh, that's month? a good one. Okay. Go ahead. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> what, what's your question? You sound like you have a question in mind. I actually didn't have a question. I just okay. had the idea of asking a question because for me, like inquiry is, inquiry to me is everything. Okay. Um, so I'm a big end of month review fan. Like I have like a little one page template that I do with myself, like on the last day of every month, um, just kind of a simple looking back and a simple looking forward and a question like that. I usually ask myself in some form or another on that is like, what's one thing that I am going to do in the next month to be brave. And so I don't know if that speaks to what you want, but just like a specific, same thing with like, I think bravery is one of those words that gets tossed around as like bravery, vulnerability, right? But like, what is that? Like what you just, that story you just shared, that was a brave thing that you did, right? And so I think that that's like a specific example, again, that I say like, it's so easy to think fun should just like come into my life or that I, but sometimes we have to seek out fun or we have to like give ourselves a specific, specific opportunity to be 
brave, right? It's like something that I can do to be brave will be as small as it sounds to reach out to some of those people that I would love to get to know on the podcast. That would be like bravery doesn't have to be this like huge, you know, courage, life-saving, pulled a car off this child situation, right? That it's like small things that are like choosing, you know, courage or whatever over fear. Yeah. So that's a question that. that I like. What's one thing you're going to do next month to be brave? You want to ask me what am I going to do to be brave? Or you can answer it if you want, but I was just saying that's okay, one that's question that's just the that question, like. yeah. yeah. Um, I think bravery in relationship is a really interesting thing. So a question surrounding that would be, who is one person you haven't talked to in a long time that you need to give a call or you need to reach out to? Mm, I like that. So... Who is one person you need to reach out to? And if you're, if you're willing to step into it, then reach out to them. I love it. I would love feedback on this kind of stuff too, where we like pose questions and I'm like, I want to actually hear feedback. I want to hear what people do or what their brave thing is or who they yeah. got in touch with or so yeah, totally open to that. Yeah. Let us know. I would love to hear that. I love it. That's a great way to wrap up. Thanks girl. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the entire conversation. I know that these real talk reflections are actually a little bit longer than running on home usually is and a different format. We're really excited about Real Talk Reflections as a monthly series on Running on Ohm where you can follow Nicole and I as we learn together from our commitments, goals, and challenges. We would love to know what is one thing you can do in your life to be brave this month of February. And maybe that means reaching out to someone in your life you haven't spoken to for a long time. We'd love to hear your answers to these inquiries we post to you guys. So reach out to us through Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and let us know how you're ready to cultivate courage in your life. This week, this very week, I released this podcast. Nicole released season three of her podcast show called Real Talk Radio, where she publishes eight conversations with eight incredible people all on one glorious day. Now, I'm really excited to devour these eight episodes over the next few weeks, and I'll actually parcel them out since they're so good, and I encourage you to subscribe to her show too. Before I sign off for today, I have an ask for all of you that will take you less than five minutes, I promise. Head to iTunes and leave a review of the Running On Own podcast. So why am I even asking you guys to leave a review? Because it helps improve Rue's visibility on the iTunes interface so that more like-minded people can find this podcast, more people can get plugged into these conversations, and I can continue to bring on the most inspiring guests for all of you. Thank you for listening today. Thank you for supporting Running on Ohm. Deep gratitude to each and every one of you. Yes, you. This is your host, Julia Hanlon, and I hope you have a Rue-filled day. <laughs>